Hey, it's Grant. Before the show starts today, I want to tell you about Hangover Destroyer. Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. If you like to drink at night and be able to think in the morning, one shot of Hangover Destroyer lets you have all the fun and no side effects. Go to Hangover Destroyer's website, that's hdestroyer.com, write happy hour in the coupon code, and get 30% off your order of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com brought to us today in part by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a schedule that keeps you away from home, the folks at Petite Pet Care understand that some pets are fine going to a kennel or doggy daycare, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. For loving care, when you're not there, Petite Pet Care has got you covered. You can find them at petitepetcare.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stall, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans, and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common, other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar. In this case, we're at Wayfair, on Ferret Street, and the three guests of mine sitting around, what the hell are you doing? Some Is it flies? flies? Going it's yeah. flies. That's the voice of Chris Lee, you're hearing there catching flies, and that's Susan Bopp to my right, and Eric Frank is over here to my left. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 Very nice. All right. So we're here at Wayfair. Wayfair is a restaurant and a bar that serves handcrafted food and spirits where Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich. And if you think that's just some sort of a bullshit slogan they've come up with here at Wayfair, wait till you try the food here. This guy, Chevin, Chevin. Chevin Kef White, no, Chef Kevin White was a, uh, a, a chef in New York for Mario Batali. And wow. he, was, he cooked pasta with Mario Batali, and he's an awesome chef. And he moved to New Orleans. They told him here at Wayfair that he could do whatever he wanted. So he said, you know what, I'm going to make sandwiches. So they opened this place as a sandwich place. But he makes these unbelievable, I know this sounds crazy, because you're like, well, well, how good could a sandwich be, really? But wait till you try this. And I'm not saying this just because we're getting paid. <laughs> they really are awesome sandwiches here. Come check it out. They have a three-hour uh, happy hour here every day as well from four to seven where they have awesome drinks which are incredibly cheap, half price during happy hour. They have great vegetarian and vegan options as well. They do? They do. Are you a vegetarian and a vegan? I'm not, but I appreciate vegetarians and vegans. Okay, so that's good. It's a good spot for vegetarians and vegans here at Wayfair. Okay, let me tell you who this is. This is Eric Frank who knows something about vegan and vegetarian. I'll tell you why. Eric is the CEO of a company called Your Nutrition Delivered which is an online health food and diet plan company that personalizes a diet that's right for you, makes it for you, and delivers it. It's hard to get fit if you're just sitting around at home. Impossible. bringing you food constantly. <laughs> Eric knows how to get you fit. He's a certified personal trainer, as well as a speed, strength, and agility coach. In 2010, please pay attention to this because he's going to be arm wrestling after this <laughs> sentence. In 2010, Eric won the American Powerlifting Association National Championship in the 275-pound weight class, setting a record with a, f- listen to this, a 462-pound raw bench press. Wow. Did you weigh 275 pounds then? I, I, I did not. I competed a little heavier than I weighed. I got gotcha. you. Because I like to beat the fat guys. <laughs> hey, how much do you weigh, Susan? You can't ask that question. You don't weigh anything near 462 pounds though, right? No, you I, can say, ha- I can say I don't. You don't even weigh half of that. I'm not going to answer the question. So, Eric, you could pick up su- two of Susan. You could pick up Susan and Chris, one each hand. Only if they're tipping. If they're tipping. Yeah. 462 pounds is a huge amount of weight, right? It's, it's, le- it's, it's less than 500 pounds. But what are the chances of having a heart attack while you do that? <laughs> 20 to 1. <laughs> the good chances. Eric is married to his best friend, Steve, and they have one son, Elijah. That can't be right, right? <laughs> no, it says Eric is married to his best friend, Rebecca. They have one son, Elijah, who is now eight months old. Congratulations. Thank you. Nice Thank you. Job. Eight months is a nice age, right? That's, that's since last year. Yeah. How many yeah. kids have you got, Susan? Three. Three kids. One's in Houston. One started her first week at University of Alabama. The one in Houston graduated from LSU, so we've got rivals in the house. Wow. And now my son's 16, and he's in high school. We have two older daughters. 30, 18, and 16. So the 16-year-old one is, the, is a... High school. As a boy, and the other two are girls? 
and the other two are girls. Wow. So there's a, uh, forgive me for not being a very good mathematician, 14 year gap between one and three? It's perfect. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that happen? It's perfect. How'd it happen? Well, love's a funny thing, you know. Is it? So, that's good. It's all good. What happened over the 14 years <laughs> that, you, that you didn't have any kids? We had a lot of fun. A lot of was fun. It a, was it a did you decision to have a child 14 years later? Okay, so the oldest one, Amber, Amber, really wanted to have a siblings. And she, we realized she wasn't going to quit asking. So we, we gave in. And then what, a, what a good choice we made, you know, because now we have Gabrielle and Jacob. Okay. And Gabrielle's the daughter who just started at Alabama. And then Jacob goes to school two blocks from our house at St. Paul's in Covington. You live in Covington? Yeah. Was that intentional? That wasn't... That was intentional. That was a decision as well. Intentional. You intentionally moved to Covington. Well, we'll get on to that in a minute. I'll tell you something about Susan. Susan moved to New Orleans. And where did you move from in 1987? And from Dallas. Okay. That was one of the early pioneers of the warehouse district, renovating and creating an urban lifestyle for New Orleanians. Yeah, that was That's a blast. interesting. And then you moved to Covington. I don't understand that. For the past 24 years, Susan has been an idea collaborator, a marketing and branding consultant, an event producer, and community innovator. Lots of fun things. She's the founder of Connect and Collaborate, also known as Coco. Is that right? Your company's called Coco. Coco. Coco, C-O-C-O. Her company's mission is, and I quote, to help people grow, find solutions, discover what they're good at. Hey, well, that would be awesome if we could figure that out around this table this afternoon, yeah. right? Let's Been do it. What do you think? Let's do it. Eric, we can find out what you're good I'd at. Chris, especially. Good at. <laughs> that would be really good. How long, how long are there like 20 questions you could ask us all to find out what we're good at? Well, we're at the perfect place to do it, right? With a, a bar. cocktail. Yeah. What are you drinking? Yeah. That's a nice looking drink. I know. They, they tempted me with the, uh, with the machine. It's a margarita. It's, it's a really frozen good. margarita. It's it their great. recipe. It's a pint of margarita in a saint's glass. Yeah. You can't beat that. So anyway, the company's mission, I'll start at the end, is to help people grow. Not in height, I assume you mean. No, develop. not in height. Uh, grow, find solutions, discover what they're good at, develop confidence in their community, share talents, and expand their ways of thinking and believing. Well, there's a whole show in this alone, right? Easily. Thinking yeah, I didn't believing. know you had all that information. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a crack <laughs> research team. You oh actually, God. you're looking at it right over there. It's Graham DuPonte, our producer. Chris Lee is sitting across the table from you. You're going to be surprised when you hear about this if you don't know Chris already. Chris is the director of the Turnagain Arm Tidal Energy Corporation in Anchorage, Alaska. Chris has also been a producer of scripted and reality TV projects, a consultant producer for MSN's web content and since 2002 has been the owner of the Brothers Lee Number One Publishing Company Incorporated. Wow. So he's like a businessman. Kudos to I'm you. a businessman. Mm-hmm. I'm a businessman. That can sing. And you can, can also sing. sing. Yes, I can and sing. play the guitar. You, you may well, know that Chris. remains to be seen. We'll, we'll find we'll, that out. We'll find out. You may recognize Chris if you're um, listening to this. As one of New Orleans' most successful rock musicians in the 90s, Chris was the frontman for the band Supergroup who toured with a variety of major rock acts, from Queens of the Stone Age to Alice Cooper, playing over 1,200 gigs, recording seven albums, and landing four singles in the top 40, all while single-handedly keeping rock alive. Good job. You're welcome, You did it. Yeah. Nice car. Rock and roll. Handed the baton off in there. So anyway, the band kept rocking and recording beyond the 90s into about the first decade of the 2000s, until about 2011, it looked like it sort of has come to an end. That was the last time we, I think we had you on the show right now when you made that last show. We were winding down then. Yeah. 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 And now you've got the Chris Lee Band. That's for fun. Yeah. Yeah. What is the Chris Lee Band all about? Well, you know, just because I'm doing other, I, you know, I've kind of moved on from music and uh, started TV producing but just because you do that doesn't mean you don't stop writing songs. So I had all these songs. Eventually, I, it's like getting, it's like eating, right? You 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 ingest experiences. You figure stuff out. It has to go out. somewhere. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> so I had to excrete these songs before I could successfully ingest more experiences. So hmm. I recruited a couple of friends to help me record some demos, and they were from my wife's band and. Pretty soon they're like, "Hey, we should play a song. I mean, we should play a show. We should play a show. We should play a show." So, we played a couple shows. But your wife's band is Star and Dagger. Star and Dagger, yeah. And, and yeah. what reality TV shows have you been a part of? I worked on um, Jersey Licious, which is a show about uh, New Jersey hairdressers and makeup artists. It's spin-off Glam Fairy, also a uh, Glam F- Glam A. 
I R Y. Glam fairy. Glam yeah. fairy. They they took the most crazy person from Jersey Licious that did makeup and made a whole show around her. I'm sorry to say that I know very well about both of those shows. They're two of my wife's. Favorites. Are you kidding? I do. Oh yeah. Anything from New Jersey, <laughs> dealing with women and or housewives, my wife was all about. Why? She's a lunatic. So you got to watch these shows? I've seen them all. Oh, my gosh. Wow. wow. I've never met anybody Your who's work. actually watched it. Your work wow. is amazing. So, well, thank you. Thank you. It was it was my job to ride shotgun on all those crazy ladies. <laughs> For, yeah. It was a fun. It was a very fun experience. A couple of years in, in the New York, New Jersey area. A lot of and, animal um, print, right? A lot yeah. of animal print. Yeah, they were trying to cash in on the Jersey Shore thing. So it was like the second wave. So it was it kind of was popular, but the girls on the show really thought they were like Elizabeth Taylor. So what were they like? Yeah. They were awful, the most <laughs> awful people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and uh, can we cuss on this? I don't want yes, to. I don't want to get into this. They were just the worst because, yeah, they, okay, there's one thing if you're a star and you're a diva, right? Well, you're carrying a picture or a television show or something. These guys are hairdressers. <laughs> Right, and they they think they're like Britney Spears or something. It's like no, we hired you because you're so fucking crazy, <laughs> not because you're such a big goddamn star. But you could never say that. You have to be like, oh no, you look great. You don't need to have a meltdown over your over the awful uh, way your hair looks this morning. You look awesome, and just here's what you need to say. I need you to go out there and do it. You so know. So how long did were you with them? Um, I worked on that for uh, three seasons. Three seasons of. Uh, Two of Jersey Licious and one of um, Glam Fairy. Glam Fairy didn't catch on very well, did it? Glam Fairy died after two seasons. Yes. Eric, how would you describe the show? I would. I would say it was a train wreck, <laughs> meeting a car accident, in the middle of an abortion. <laughs> okay. What goes on at your Why, house? Why? Thank you. <laughs> do, do you have to watch these shows with your wife? Yeah, it's foreplay. Uh. <laughs> so, Chris, you got Eric led. Well, again, you're welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chris. You never know how you touch somebody. And my life. son can thank you because that's how he was I'm, conceived. I'm so. actually very excited to meet someone who's actually seen that show. Like, no one ever knows what the hell I'm talking about. That's awesome. What happened to it? It wasn't successful? They got canceled, you know, after a while. It well, just, well, everything just, gets canceled just ran eventually. Out, ran out of steam. They ran out of steam. Nobody cared. How often did you watch it, Eric? Well, we DVR'd it, so we'd usually watch it hourly if we couldn't get to it at least um, bi-hourly. Once a week, twice a week. Okay, and what are the other shows that your wife likes to watch? Like, what, what, Anything with with real or housewives in it. She's okay. a fan of. Um, what does she do? She's a nutritionist. Right? She's a, she's a nurse. She's a registered nurse. She works for Humana now. Um, best thing that's ever happened to me. Keeps me in line. Mm-hmm. But she well, loves, she came she, up with the whole idea for you and nutrition to live it. It says in this bio that I have about you. She's so come she up is the, totally every, the best thing that Every good idea I've ever had, she's been behind. So Aww. absolutely. Wow. What, was Lucky man. what are some of the other good ideas you've had? Um, have you heard of... Um, the Beatles. Have, <laughs> was that you? you that was <laughs> fantastic. She is a genius, your wife. The Pet Rock. Pet Rock. That, that was, was her? Us. Okay. That was us. No, what have you heard of what were you going to say? Um, I, I actually was going to say the Beatles. It's amazing that you, <laughs> that's that you I'm psychic because that's what I'm good at. That's my 20 questions and Susan said psychic. What were you going to say? What was some of her good ideas? Really, seriously. Well, you know, she is a, um, she is a health aficionado and um, she worked at Children's Hospital for years, night shifts. And the cafeteria would close at 7 p.m. It wouldn't open until 7 a.m. And there was nothing for 20% of the staff to eat in the hospital. So we came up with a solution that would feed the staff at hospitals overnight. I've got it. And we created something. The vending machine. We call fresh coolers (laughs) that we put into hospitals that allow for employees to have 24-hour access to healthy food that we have 15 of in the city now. And I was inspired by my wife not being able to eat a healthy meal while at work. And now all of the LCMC properties, Children's, Toro, University Medical Center, have the uh, machines in them. Wow. So I thank my wife for that. Absolutely. So she them. was hungry and you came up with the idea. Yeah. Right. She was, she was hungry and I didn't want to drive at 1 o'clock in the morning to Children's Hospital to feed her. So we created a technology that could feed all nurses everywhere. So you came up with an idea of, of healthy food in a vending machine. 
fresh cooler. Vending machines give you diabetes, and fresh coolers. I thought you were going to uh, say diarrhea. <laughs> that too. Is that right? That too. Vending machines give you diabetes. Sure. Well, they ch- cokes and Cheetos and things like that. Yeah, but you can replace that with something healthy. But you've actually got like it's a refrigerated, so it has health, healthy. Correct. Huh? Correct. Yeah. The refrigerator works off employee ID badges. Works on subsidy programs. So. Our biggest client, Latrum in River Ridge, they subsidize the cost of healthy meals for high-risk employees because that's how much um, their employees mean to them. What do they do at Latrum? They're a manufacturing company. They're the second biggest employer in Jefferson Parish, 1,200 employees. Wow. They do $400 million a year in revenue, and we feed their workforce. Is that the... um product that you competed with in Idea Village is? That is not. We, we launched this in um, November of 13. We went through the accelerator program of Idea Village the year before. So do you have a patent on this thing? We have the technology licensed. So we've licensed the technology. This technology was used to sell ice and propane out of uh, in front of convenience stores. So you know you go to an easy serve you go in, you say, I'll take one bag of ice. You go out and you take 12 out of the, out of the cooler. Do you? So this, I w- I, you do this. That's why I was saying it to you. Oh, you're talking about me doing <laughs> it. Right, right. I hadn't thought of that. I didn't, do people actually do that? You could. This technology was created to stop that. We saw the technology through the Idea Village. We were introduced to this technology, and we repurposed it and licensed it in order to sell fresh food. So when you go to the store and that ready ice is outside in the freezer, thing there and you pay the 99 cents or dollar 69 or whatever it is for a bag of ice there's something that's going to stop you taking t- if you take two you're going to get busted other than the security camera so chris told Just me so that we know. he would go in and he would say i'm going to buy one and he yeah. would open up the cooler and he would take six right now they put this technology on you swipe a credit card and every bag that comes out is weighed just like our technology in the fresh cooler, it weighs everything, so it knows what's coming out. It bills your credit card for whatever is taken out. So I, learned, I, learned, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> well, There's nothing worse than getting arrested for stealing ice. Yeah, and the How North Shore is still that? an honor system. We have no such technology. For Covington, honor. Louisiana. You don't need it over there, no, right? Everyone's we don't need nice. It. It's everyone's nice. Did you move there because you don't like black people? <laughs> is that true? That's what everybody says. Who says that? Everyone says that the North Shore was created because of white flight. Oh. Well, the reason is that, is I moved true? there. No, what's the reason you moved there? Because my husband, that's really where his, his grandfather had property over there and his family was, you know, treated the North Shore um, like a fun weekend thing, but would never consider moving there. But right. he wanted to move. So Why I moved, did he want to move there? It's beautiful. And it's a great place to raise a family. Is it? And it's really creative, you know. Okay, well, that's something I haven't heard before. All right. What yeah. is it really? Yeah. I mean, it's a great environment for being creative. Yeah, I can it's, it's, that. yeah, I mean, you, you can take away a lot of the fears that some people have in New Orleans where you can walk to your mailbox in the middle of the night. You know, you can take a walk in the middle of the night if you want, and you're going to be perfectly fine. Do you take a walk in the middle of the night very often? I guess I will walk 14 years you might have. Yeah. I, walk, I mean, I walk when it gets cool, which is 7, 8 o'clock sometimes, or run, and, and it gets dark before I get home. You run? I like to run. How far do you run? Lots of ideas. Yeah. How far do you run each time? Well... As the age number keeps going up, yeah. the mile number keeps coming <laughs> down. So, I mean, I love to run for an hour. So, whatever I can do in an, an hour. hour. That's pretty that's good. A that's a lot. Graham, do you run? This is our producer, Graham DePonte. We dragged onto the microphone yes, today. For I decided to take um, Andrew's place. How often do you run, Graham, every day? You know, I ran until I broke my ankle. And it's one of those things. You know how people say, um, if you remembered how painful childbirth was, you would never have any more kids? I remember how painful it was breaking my ankle, and I would never have any. I mean, that's it. I, it's they really put you off running forever. It's hard for me to think about running. Yeah, it was terrible. What about these people who play professional sports I, and they get busted up all the time? They have a take and yeah. get a cortisone shot, and it's why you're not a professional athlete. No interest. <laughs> no. Yeah, they really, pay a price. A, so it's like a, in, aversion therapy. You know, it's PTSD, honestly. Really? It is. Yeah, it is. I don't even like to look at a sidewalk, really. <laughs> <laughs> so many people have been injured in their lives, though, and they've gonna got back in the car after a car accident, or they've got back on the horse after they got thrown off the horse. You just, I'm surprised you stand up. <laughs> it would be the different if she tried to walk on the North Shore. I guarantee you, you'd, you'd enjoy your walk. I walk. I walk a lot. I love just walking. no more running. Just I got running. You. That's yeah. It. Okay. Well, that's I was running. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what do you do for exercise? Nothing. No, I, I try to avoid it. it. I don't. Um, I if if there's water around, I love to swim. 
I, I ride my bike around, I guess. Oh, but it's not for it. exercise. It's like to get around town. Just to get from A to B. But that's, yeah, that is yeah. inadvertently exercise. Inadvertent exercise. Yeah. And I would never intentionally exercise. Actually, if I can get up in the morning to go do that's something. That's the spirit. You have that's a, the spirit. You have a pool, though, right? I saw it, I in, have a I saw pool. it in the magazine yeah, somewhere. I, you did. Oh, I saw it yeah. online. Well, you know, you, the pool is awesome, but it's only a couple months a year. You know, so taking advantage while I can. I just got out of the pool. It was awesome. Ah, nice. But, uh, Wait, why is yeah. the pool only a couple months a year? I don't understand that. It's not heated. So after like... Do you live in New Orleans? Uh, mm-hmm. October, it's cold. Believe me, it's cold. My, your blood gets thin. You would, you'd be surprised. <laughs> not until June. You're from Anchorage, Alaska, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but I've been here way longer yeah. now. I've been here since 88. So yeah, that's a long time. You've got, do you ever go back to Anchorage? Not once in a while. Like I, I, try to, your I try to avoid it, but I went back... Um, I would have never done this voluntarily. My father had like a, a health thing. So we had to go back in February. Because he didn't exercise. He didn't exercise. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. And he only eats prime rib. Well, it's too so, dark there. Actually. And it's too dark. And, and in February, we got off the plane and it was negative 14. Oh, wow. And my wife had never experienced anything no, like that. She's and I, she's like, but you're from here. I'm like, well, it's been a while. I have not experienced this in a long time. Where's Sean from? She's from Los Angeles? North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. originally. Oh, yeah. So, um, can you tell the difference between negative 14 and, like, negative 1? You can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. It's a big difference. Where does it get to the point where you just can't tell the difference anymore? Like, like negative 20, 25? Like around there. Yeah. Around there, below that, you, all you're thinking about is survival. So you don't tell the difference. But it is beautiful there. We went there last year, and it was really, really pretty. I felt. I think we were the oldest people. I mean, the youngest people on the tours going through. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was Covington. really pretty. In Alaska. It's gorgeous what, there, yeah. What, what? When you were there, when you lived there, and it's like negative, what is it? When you're during the course of a day. So, so like in, in Anchorage, you get like uh, two weeks of negative 15 a year. But on the whole, it's like between zero and 20. You know, during the winter. So what? It's when not you, terrible. So when you get used to it, as you must do when you're living there. Yeah. What do you What do you wear? Do you have to wear those stupid big clothes? All oh, the time, people are wearing shorts in like 40 degrees there. That's okay. you get you get that used to it. They're like, ah, t-shirt weather. Wow. And you were like that when you yeah. grew up. Oh yeah, totally. So you Everybody. got on the plane at some point and came to college at Tulane, mm-hmm. which was like was diving into like? a mm-hmm. sauna. Well, Could you I even totally, breathe? No, you? I couldn't understand what was happening to my body at all. <laughs> I was like, this is not happening. Until I spent an entire summer down here. So I would keep going home and work in Alaska till I was in my mid-20s. But until I did one full summer where I just had to take it. <laughs> but as, since then, it's flipped, and now I can't You can't take back. the cold. I can't take the cold anymore. Yeah. Do you like yeah. going back? No. No, I couldn't wait to leave that place. Okay, so imagine Anchorage is the biggest town in Alaska by far. And it's smaller than Baton Rouge. And unlike Baton Rouge, the closest city isn't, you know, real city is an hour, and isn't an hour and a half away. It's 48 hours in a car or three and a half hour plane ride. The closest city is actually Honolulu, you know, it's just closer than, than Seattle. So you don't have the escape. And if you're not, you know, one thing I learned when I moved to New Orleans or moved out of the, they call it the lower 48 from up there, the rest of the country, <laughs> is that I was a city boy. I got to a city. I'm like, oh, okay. This, this is, is oh, that's what they yeah. mean by city boy. I'm like, I'm a city boy. Uh, you you know, found feel like, yourself. Yeah, if you like hunting and fishing and <laughs> camping, and I don't like, I don't like sleeping bags. I won't sleep in a sleeping bag. I'm done with that for the rest of my life, <laughs> forever. And I and I'm proud of that. What do you think would have happened to you if you didn't leave? And would you have what, what would you have done if you'd had to stay there? I can't imagine a scenario where I would have stayed there. Do you have friends who stay, sure. are still there? Yeah. And yeah. what do you th- how do you get along with them now? When you I go get there? along great with them, but I still just can't believe, you know, that they, they like it. Are but they, they, I mean, the people living there, because they live in this, like, insular place, are they narrow-minded and intolerant, or are they open-minded and I like anywhere. anything goes? It or depends, it's just a you know, by the, by the person. But on the whole, it's a pretty conservative state. Right. It's very um, insular, and there's a... Yeah, there's, you, the, but Alaska is a very big independent streak. They had one of the only uh, libertarian governors in the country for many years. And they then had, they had pot, governor, pot they had was governor legal. Palin. Pot was and legal. then they, pot was legal until was legal. after I left. They made it illegal. And famously, in that election where pot became illegal, um, there were three candidates: Democrat, Republican, 
and libertarian, the libertarian won. And Pot got more votes than the governor. <laughs> so that was, even though in a losing effort. So it's that kind of ideal right. where... Were there like, any beauty parlors there that you could film the reality show at? I wonder. I wonder. I, I can't imagine. There's a... The biggest city is smaller. That's a good idea, though. Is, is the same size as Baton Rouge. So there's like one of everything or two of everything. Yeah, like do they have a, Home Depot. Do you do? Home oh, it's like a. It, I'm. I. I mean, like I said, it's been forever. But like, say Taco Bell came to town. Oh, we got a Taco Bell. Yeah, we got a Taco Bell. Right. Home Depot came. Bed Bath and Beyond is here. We're a real city. Yeah, it's like that. that. Sounds like wow. New Orleans right. after the yeah. flood. It yeah. does. Yeah. It was. It was reminiscent of that. Mm. Crazy. Hey, Chris, should we make you play a song at this point? I suppose. What do you think? We went next door and we borrowed a guitar. What was that guy's name again? Micah? Micah, Micah yeah. McKee from Little a, Maker. He's got a great band and a great Yeah, voice. Little Maker is a great band, and we, we found him next door at the Rook Coffee Shop. Yeah. And he has a guitar leaning up against the counter, because Chris didn't think to bring a guitar on a show with that we invited him on as a music guest. Now that he's a businessman, we have to get onto your business <laughs> in a little while. But first of all, let's play something from the Chris Lee Band. This is one of the songs that you excreted. It is. Let's see. Uh... from the Chris oh. Lee band. There you go. You still Thank got you. it. <laughs> How often do you play? I played those exact I played those exactly twice live. Wow. Yeah. So it's the third time you've ever played that song. That'd be the third time. Oh, well, congratulations! That. Nice. Yeah. What'd you think, Eric? Uh, amazing. I'm waiting for Susan's song next. She said Susan's she going to play a song yeah. something too. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing awesome. that you, you can be sitting? Here. You can sit here and just pick up a guitar and do that. It's embarrassing, isn't it? It's a little. It's tough. It's a little. It the is place tough. is so quiet. Yeah. I was like. Yeah. If I really go full voice in here, it's going to be really embarrassing uh, for everybody here. So I, I went the <laughs> sort of softer back of it. False. Oh, next time we'll make you do another one later. You could do. You can let go. The big let voice. Rip. Yeah. Oh, let, let it rip. rip. All right. Totally. Yeah. All right. So we were talking about ideas before, and talking about your wife's ideas, Eric, and your ideas. And then I see, you know, in my crack research that Graham did for me here, it says in the, in your stuff, Susan. I guess this is from LinkedIn, which is you know the key to everything. It says t- this is what did you write this? Take a closer look at life. 
and you'll discover all sorts of clever and beneficial ideas unfolding all the time. Ideas are something we're all passionate about. And then you say, it says here, I had an idea, what's yours? Exists to help connect ideas and, and people to possibilities. So you're, you're in ideas, you're in the ideas business. I love ideas. I love ideas, but I think even more important than ideas, I love helping people find and discover their idea and their best idea. And uh, I think for so long in Louisiana, I mean, we're starting to see the tide change now, but for so long, people were had incredible talent and very little ways to exercise that talent and really expand on it and grow. So um, now that we kind of come into a stronger time and there's more opportunities, um, especially for entrepreneurs and people with ideas, it's just such a fun time to really, um, you know, explore them. And, and well, this has always been a big place for ideas about music and food. But you mean, you're right talking about business ideas. Because people haven't cared about making money much in New Orleans. Business ideas, yeah, I guess we haven't. I think a lot of people had, did care, but weren't, there wasn't the opportunity there to make any money. So they just enjoyed life, which has kind of really added a lot to our environment. I mean, it's, it's, we're talking about how hot it is. I always say it's a good thing and the people are so nice because the climate's a little difficult to deal with sometimes. So I think that... There are always ideas unfolding, but there's not always people confident that they can make those come to pass. So are you a psychologist? I'm not a psychologist. So how did you come up with this position? How did you get to this position of helping people unfold ideas? A, a lot of it stems back to exactly what I'm saying. I think that, that there, were, there weren't always a lot of opportunities here. So as we start to, I mean, you get to live once, right? So you yeah, might as well be you, your best self. Yeah, but how did you put yourself, how did you get the confidence to put yourself in the position where you encourage other people to pursue their own ideas well maybe it'd be easier to answer that by giving you an example okay. so an example of um, one of the projects that Eric you met Lisa McKenzie and um, so Lisa McKenzie and I had been friends for a really long time and uh, we run into each other one day at the gym and she tells me about her concept she's developing and she's sold to 250 stores throughout the US and outside the country I said well who's helping you well, mainly it's me. Every now and then somebody helps me. So the, the business was outpacing her. So I said, okay, I'm going to kind of come out of hibernation and really help you kind of strategize and brand this. So while her product was very cool and is very cool, my driving force is helping her find success. That but she'd already had the idea, which was the uh, replaceable bra She strap, did, but right? you can only grow so long by yourself. You yeah, know? But, but hang on. She'd already, she invented this thing, which is a... Is that the Lisa McKenzie we know, right? Yep. She's been on the show. She had this yes. thing where you take a bra and you switch the bra strap out. Right. Ula bra. So you sexify the bra. Mm -hmm. So instead of wearing, you know, an ugly bra strap, you can take that one off and put a pretty one on. So they have bra straps with rhinestones and all sorts of patterns. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, it is but a great already, idea. But you already had that idea. So what I'm trying to say is, how did you get? How did you get involved with that? So what, my what idea is to help her expand her idea. You know, in that particular case. So, but a, a, a new idea grew out of that, and that's really another example. So, we knew as a company she needed some type of um, social entrepreneurship part of her business. So you can't just sell a product. I mean, that's that's very 80s. You need to really have a heart for the community, and that's really who she is too. 80s. It was. It was just all about stuff. You know, oh, okay. stuff. You know. So what is the deal now? This is. A I think we're living in a more authentic time. I think people have care about what really matters so if if you're built like that it's a what great do, what does really matter maybe i should turn around what really matters to you right Ooh. well i want to hear that chris what the heck are you doing trying something out no that isn't going to work though because <laughs> if the you have to talk into this bit here with <laughs> what what matters he was to getting a little bored with what my happens dialogue. To oh no sorry what happens what what matters to a lot of people is that they get their money back when they invested in your business or that they make enough money out of their idea to make a living not necessarily what, oh, okay. what seems to matter a lot to people is that they can take their talent and use it for for good and have i mean hopefully instead you'd, of evil. pardon instead of evil a state of evil instead of evil instead of evil oh yeah but like what but most people want to have that have a good idea like the the healthy food not don't use the word vending machine what's fresh it called? cooler it's called the fresh, fresh cooler, cooler. Vin fresh diabetes cooler? vending machines right the diabetes vending machines give you diabetes fresh coolers fresh coolers do not Save so me. you come up with that idea 
you don't want to just do something good for the community, which you are doing anyway, but you actually want to make some money out of that, right? Well, I, I think if you can do great things for the community and make money, <clears throat> what could what could be better? And I think, yeah, you right. know, what, what Susan does is what so many great entrepreneurs do, do is they take other people's ideas and they help them bring it to market. You know, Bill Gates. Maybe he says it better than me. Bill Gates holds no patents. Bill Gates took what other people were doing and found the best way to bring them to market and made billions of dollars. Is doing he the it. richest man in the world? Uh, he's doing a lot better he's than pre- all of us. He's at the pretty table, close to the richest man in the world, <laughs> right? And he and he didn't he, have a single idea of his own. He he took what other people were doing, improved right. on it, and brought it to market in a in a better way. Susan. And I think that's what. So Susan's the beautiful doing. thing about Bill Gates, if we use that example, is he did make money, does make money, and now uses it for incredible things. I mean, he's funding all kind of education projects, and the list is long. Well, he's got more money than he can spend in a lifetime. He's got some billions of dollars that you. And he's doing a good thing giving it away. Yeah, it's yeah. more who's given, more is expected, right? But Susan makes a much better bra than Bill <laughs> Gates ever did. <laughs> well, the sweet thing that came out of the bra business was, or the, the Ula bra, bra strap business, was that we, in turn, started um, reaching out and developing a program for cancer survivors. So we, the medical community, will suggest, okay, your wife's been through cancer, my patient's been through cancer, why don't you be a part, participate in this program? So we take them through a program where they really learn to be empowered again. I mean, you kind of lose everything about yourself, you know, when you go through cancer. Most of the people participating have breast cancer, so there's that connection to there. But um, we are getting such incredible support for it around the community. And what's so special about that is it's just a multitude of ideas. So what, yeah. what, what's so fun to do is connect all the people to make that happen. That is an amazing thing. That's called Unite, right? Unite. Y-O-U-Nite. Yeah, I saw that. That's really a cool thing. It's giving what it does. It, it takes women who are cancer survivors and makes them like a, a runway model for a night. That's right. And they get made over. It's like a month's sort of program where they get made yeah. over and they get fitted for clothes. And right. It's an amazing thing. And then they have this big night where it's the, their runway models. It's super cool. Well, we really, we very, even had a, a It should be a TV show, don't you think? It, <laughs> Maybe Chris, you can help Chris. us. Yeah. You know, because I like it. there's real stories. You know, they're yeah. not made up stories. And you know, last night we, we brought in the new group for this year and the la- and the participants from last year, and we sat around and, and you know uh, Lisa's another Lisa brainstorm and she's and she's like I'm, loves everything about sorority. So the candle pass is part of the sorority process. Candle pass. So these ladies each lit their candle and really told a little bit about their story. And as you listen to it. it it, it just like takes you out of the superficial world into the real life. Is it and like a talking stick that the person who's holding the lighted candle gets to talk? Yeah, exactly. Your turn. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know. That's a sorority thing. It's a sorority thing. I learned. I didn't know that. Did you know that, you guys? No, no. Did not. Never been in a sorority ground? Oh, please. Don't ask about that. Yeah. I have another PTSD. <laughs> really? Yeah. Second PTSD story out of two. I've, What's yeah, this one? Yeah, yeah. It was, it's, I, was a, I was in a sorority that will remain nameless. I still have some friends from those days. Uh, okay. But I hated being in a sorority. Why? Tell us importantly, why did you join if you hated it? She would be like the polar opposite of Lisa McKenzie's experience. Yeah. You know, and then my daughter, I mean, my husband Amber. and I went out for, this is for Gabrielle, Gabrielle. at University of Alabama. And they go through bid day for their sororities, and literally, I felt like I was at a Mardi Gras event. I mean, they are thousands of girls, and they're running up the street, and they become lifetime friends. So we'll see. Which, which where's the Mardi Gras? I was waiting for the drunken bead well, throwing. It's just a, that's a little bit under the under the radar, right? Because they are students. Their, they're not flashing their well, breasts. When, no, I, when no. I hear uh, sorority, I think pillow fights. So please, Graham, tell us about all the pillow fights no, with the other girls. No, no pillow fights. Oh. No, it was more like what was uh, so hard? About Graham, make up some stories about some pillow fights, please. <laughs> there was um, well evidence. Yeah, 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 they they wake you up, you know, in the middle of the night. Hot. And they, that's, that's right. And they they I don't know. God, I, you know, I, 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 are you? Am I not talking? No, See, I'm not no, used to this. No, that's good. Oh my um, they wake up in the middle of the night. That's the worst thing that happened. No, no. It's the worst thing that happened was. I'll tell you the worst thing that happened. I will you tell you. Had to have you. sex with I'm a gonna, goat. No, I'm gonna tell you. This that was. was a, you know, it's you're close. But there, there was. <laughs> wow. There was a girl and her sister, um, and they were. You know, I guess that you would call them. The the goat fuckers. Boards called them promiscuous. The the sorority board. And so they brought these girls. So far, so good. Yeah, it's a great story. Right, exactly. It's a good story. They bring these girls, 
in front of the board and they tell them that they will be kicked out of the sorority unless they undergo um, psychiatric, psych psychological counseling. And I just, I quit. <laughs> I was like, Oh God, that's the best story you've got. Aww. People are threatened with psychological counseling and then yeah, you, what's, what's wrong with psychological I, counseling? No, I just don't think that, I just don't think it's anybody's business. Tell us yep. more about the promiscuity. Was, 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 the, was the counselor a, uh, did he, did he cure them with spanking? Maybe? Perhaps? So, Is that where you're going with that? Right. What were they so wearing? Um, <laughs> you, know what, you know what I didn't like about the sorority? It, there was it, just nothing exciting happened, <laughs> so I don't have any stories. Nothing. Well, so these girls were punished for fucking guys. Yeah, I thought that was lousy. Oh, I would think so. That's quite lousy. <laughs> really? That's so lousy. That's now, the lousiest. Were the other ones fucking girls if they were being punished for That's the guys? That's not nice. See, see. Wow. <laughs> what, what state yes. is this in, Graham? I'm glad I you said it. Tulane. Tulane. Oh, this was at Tulane? Oh, it was. In New Orleans? Oh, wait. I went to Tulane. Let me guess. Okay, here <laughs> we go. Who was it? Uh, do you know, do you know? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Do you have any pictures? I don't even remember their names. Okay, I'm guys. I just dropped her off a week ago. Y'all got, got, got to really back off, you know? Well, what about your older, do your older daughter, Amber, right? She was... She was a was she in a sorority? She was a sorority girl too, and see. The so she must you must have been through the sorority, so it can't be too bad. The, the second time. It's been a great experience. I mean, and, and today you can't have promiscuous girls because anything they they won't allow them in. No, you can't what? have promiscuous girls today. Absolutely no, not. No, not in sororities. Your kids are different. Not in sororities at Alabama anyway. Ab uh, of course <laughs> not. No one's having sex at college anymore. I don't think so. We, that was oh, part of the application mom. process. That's a shame. Yeah. Mom, I'm sure that's what they're telling you, right? Yeah, that's the that's a week. Seven days. That's maybe yeah, maybe eight days she's been there. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sure that Alabama is different, but what I can say it about... It is. What I can <laughs> I'm say sure it's different. ...about my experience at Tulane and why I was so pissed off is that all these girls were screwing around. They just weren't being talked about. But the sweet thing, if we take it back to the, the better side of that, is that... A lot of the reason Lisa has instituted a lot of these parts of Unite and catering to cancer survivors is because of that sisterhood mentality and just, you know, people take care of people. Oh, they weren't taking so care of them. So that's the good They part. were not taking care of those girls. Those girls were not being taken care of. They were being judged and mm. mocked and kicked out. I, ugh, I thought what? the whole thing was about wow. sisterhood. It's not. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. If there was a lot of backstabbing. It's competitive. It's competitive. Well, that's um, life, right? Yeah, but you know, yeah, it is. But if in a vacuum, if, if maybe I just don't like a lot of one's sex, you know, like being with. I'm not going to say I don't like women because I love women, but maybe just like too many. I probably wouldn't like to be with all men either. So maybe that's it. Not enough diversity. Not enough gender diversity. Mm. Yeah, but women can change gotcha. the world. Women can change the world for sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Thank you. We're doing it. I'm one, still interested one in one strap it. at a time. I'm wanting to find well, two probably. I'm wanting to find out like uh, what we're good at. How you figure that out? How do you find out what someone's real talent is? Isn't that what we started off the show saying we, you were going to do at some point here? Oh, you don't well have to we do didn't, it with all but we can try. But how do you do that? What's the system for finding out? I'm sure everyone listening to this, one of our three listeners, would all like to know. How how do you find out what you're good at? Sometimes I think you have to, you know, let go of whatever body around you is telling you you should do or what the culture says you should do. If you can just drop some of those barriers, a lot of the natural, you know, the natural part of you just evolves and creates. And put yourself in surrounded by people who... Um, but that's just so easy to say that, though. That's it's true, though. I mean, you, I mean... It, but it's you, just anyone can, can say that. Like, oh, you want to just get in touch with your real self. Nope. You know? Well, there's also trial and error. You know, you have to be willing to ha identify something you think you want to do and yeah, then but, try but all it. of us want to do something. I mean, you did it, you, so you want to be a rock star. Everybody wants to be a rock star. I tried it. I was not successful. Yeah. You were successful. <laughs> you, <laughs> you were successful. Not as successful as I you would wanted like to, to be. Been, but yes. You wanted to be bigger. Of course. Of course. I think but every guy wants to be bigger, Graham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, a, <laughs> that's what we hear. That's an email axiom right there. <laughs> want to get bigger? Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I, I think, I mean, at least, for, at least for me, like, it always seemed like everyone always asks you what you, when you're a kid, you know, you're what growing up. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? be when you grow up? Right. And, it, and you don't seem, it doesn't seem to be okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. I want to try. I have these interests. I like this. I like movies. I like cartoons. I like <laughs> riding my dirt bike or whatever. Jersey beauty parlors. I like Jersey beauty parlors. <laughs> I like. And 
and there's less emphasis on you know trying stuff out rather than um, you know having a plan and I, I don't know if that's fair to yeah, that's, always have that, a plan that's beautiful I mean I, such a I think we go through grade school high school and we learn things and the process and that it's such an antiquated system because there should be a lot more focus on helping a person at a young age kind of just figure out what their natural gifts are you know, so yeah, but suppose you're not at a young age. I mean, that's someone else's problem. We're at, we're, we're at whatever <laughs> age we're at now. But we're yeah. talking about, you know, no, people no, ask you what you want to do. Yeah, but we're at, we're at this age that we're at, and we're all doing things, you know, we're in jobs or we're in school or whatever it is, you know. I'm not so talking about... So then more at this age, it's about having the courage to do something. But how you know? do you find out what it is? I mean, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I've always wanted to sing, or I've always wanted to tap dance, or I've always wanted to climb mountains, or whatever it is that it's your thing. You, what are you supposed so to do? Are you, how do you find out whether you're actually going to be good at that other than just changing your whole life and doing it? Well, it's really not a simple, like, two-sentence answer to that question. So All right, you have how long have you? How long Four does it sentences? take? Four sentences? Okay, so let's talk about you because, like, you have a, obviously a really natural gift to carry this conversation upon people who don't even know each other. So I would start right there and then build around it. I mean, just... But I'm not talking about me. So I'm just talking about a person in general. How? Well, they would use the same the, the same process, you know. I would look at whatever what, you just naturally happen to be good at, whether it's mathematics or I mean, music. We not we, since we can't talk about school. Let's we'll use Chris as an example. If he knows he's got a creative talent, I mean, then then his whole focus needs to be around trying. But he things. did that. He had the courage to leave an academic career behind, which he was successful at, and give it a go. So being that's a musician, why I said courage is when you talk about our age. So you just have to have the balls to do it. I have a question. Yes. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know, you know, there's, I mean, I don't know where my, like, center is. So, so, what would you do? What would you say to me? Start drinking. So, start (laughs) drinking. First, she'd put you in a much better, much prettier set of bra straps. (laughs) Now, that's a good, that's a fair question. That's exactly what I'm talking about, too. If you don't know. Yeah. So, so we got to meet Graham, you know, few months back and we talked about a few things that that you do and where you spend a lot of your time and what comes most natural so we would to really figure it out not just to superficially figure it out we Mm. just spend a lot of time kind of going through the different options and different experiences you've had I mean you just have to work it out you got to be willing to figure it out so how does this how does this make you not a psychologist then what are you exactly what like let's say she came to me and really asked me to do that all right so I don't really know the answer to that question but what I would say is I will discover something she's good at or, 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 or if Eric says, you know, I want to expand my business in this direction. I'm not sure how to do it. We'll start connecting the dots and I'll connect her with people that will give her an opportunity to expand what they, what they think they're good at, you know. That to me is one of the best places to start. That's why I use the example for Unite. We have 24 boutiques and 24 salons who adopt a model where a lot of those boutiques and salons have no opportunities to really market themselves visibly. There are no fashion shows except for one other on the North Shore. So we give them opportunity to really not only take care of somebody, but also to showcase their what they do for a living. If they choose to, they can build upon that, right? Um, so if when I start listing, you know, it's we're we're probably up to about 200 different entities that come together to make this happen and that is what you how you make the community better as a whole mm-hmm. and well, that's a people do event. discover things that they're good at via those processes okay. because they come out of the woodwork and start that's a life-changing event it. when you've got cancer and you're faced with your own mortality and it's like i'm not going to spend the rest of whatever i've got left in some sort of bullshit job i'm going to do what i really want to do but if we if we want to talk about like the random the, the the cancer survivor that you're speaking to finds courage they didn't even know they had so right. so they are they are going they have no choice they're backed into the wall and they're going to have to figure it out so but the, but all these supporting people if we just use the boutiques and salons for for an example you know they they get worn out burn out opening their closing their doors every day they need to think beyond that think about other ways to reach people and this is given an opportunity to do so they find out more what they're good at. Eric, how did you find out what you? How did you find out you could lift? How many pounds was it? Four hundred sixty-two. Well, I started by lifting one, and yeah. then when I could do that, I did two, and then you know, four hundred sixty-two you natu- pounds later. Are you naturally good at that? I was. I was athletic, but I think no matter what you do in life, you'll never be great unless you have discipline and dedication. So. 
when I was powerlifting, my entire life focused around powerlifting and setting goals and reaching goals and eventually winning the national championship, which was my goal. And soon national as, championship. As soon as I won the national championship, Shit. I was done powerlifting. I retired immediately. That was my goal. I set new goals. And I think, you know, these days people don't set goals. And if they set goals, they might talk about a goal. Why do you think don't people don't set goals? 2% of the population sets goals. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because we get stuck in a rat race. We get stuck doing what we do, what we do. We don't think about well, all so the Well, Susan potential. is saying the same thing, that people just get stuck doing what they do and they don't think about what sure. they really... And, and You're saying 98% of people don't that's have right. a clue what's going on from day to day. And at the end of the day, you have to pay your bills. And so I think people get stuck in paying your bills and living paycheck to paycheck and never really expanding on what their potential is. And I think even if you can find your potential, like Chris is, is, a, is an amazing singer, a great songwriter, but that's not how he makes his money today. So you can have a passion. How does he? Oh, you can have, a, I, um, I, I believe, dancing professionally, right? <laughs> I'm a soft shoe. Wow! Check it out! What, what the listeners don't know is Chris doesn't have pants on right now, <laughs> which is quite a sight for all of us. And I don't dance with my feet. <laughs> oh, oh, <no>. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's some groans We right haven't there. even wow. got onto the turn again, um, Tidal Energy Corporation. <laughs> which I can't tell if that's a joke or not, though. Are you really the director of it's some energy company? It's for real. I am a director. You're the director, director of an energy company. There are several directors, what, yes. What sort of energy so do you it's produce? A bit of a, it's a bit of a tale. Um... My, it's, so it's my dad's company. My dad is an engineer by training and a construction guy by trade. So he, he's been designing and building in Alaska since the mid-70s when we moved there. And he's like me, but in his own way, he's a dreamer. He thinks of big ideas. But unlike a lot of people, like Eric was saying, he acts on these ideas. He's one of the 2%. And... Not only that, he's an engineer, so he can figure out if it's actually doable. He can he can show you mm -hmm. the pathway to do it, and he's very successful at uh, you know at his job. But this is a this was a new venture he started about five years ago. He had this idea. He's, you look out from his office on the bay. The, the Bay of Anchorage is called Turnigan Arm, Cook Inlet. Captain Cook discovered it. The Captain really? Cook, yeah. Okay. So. And it has these amazing tides, huge tides, 22 to 24 feet, you know. And it's between run by high the moon, tide and low tide. Between high and right. low tide. It's just ma massive. It's in incredibly powerful tides. And he kept thinking, like, boy, there's got to be a way to do something with this, to be able to make energy out of this. So he started researching, you know, tidal energy. And, and, and this is right when solar Solar is a big deal now, but five years ago, it was, it was still like a, un, not untested, but it wasn't a big thing. Uh, same thing with um, wind. Wind power was established, but before they had a bunch of uh, government grants and tax credits, it, didn't, it wasn't the vibrant in industry it is now. So he was like, maybe there's a renewable industry in, in this. So he researched, he found that tidal energy, there, there was, there's been tons of these things done. Not tons, but, but enough that you could base like you could figure out the how they did it so there was a site in france that was very very similar to the site in in anchorage called la rance and what they did was they built a fence across the middle of the bay and this fence at the bottom of the fence there's uh 24 turbines each is a 10 megawatt turbine when the tide comes in corkscrew turbine spins this way makes electricity there's a slack tide for half an hour, and then the tide goes out, corkscrew, you know, spins it the other way. So, and they've been producing electricity at one and a half cents per megawatt hour. So by comparison, here in New Orleans, we pay about 12 cents per megawatt hour for, for gas-powered electricity. Okay. So just think about that. It's free, it's forever, and it's cheaper than carbon-based systems right okay. now. Okay. Someone, However, had, someone had done this already in France. This has been done in France. Okay. This has been done in England. This has been done in... The, uh, there's a new plant online in North Korea. I mean, sorry, South Korea. There's one in China being built. It's starting to... Be, globally, it's, it's, become, it's starting to come online. The major barrier to entry into these things is a massive 
amount of money to start these things to up. Build like this each thing of these, see. each of these things is, is a lot of tech. There's a lot of engineering. There's a lot of concrete. There's a lot of danger studies. Uh, environmental in America, the big be, before you even get to all that, the the big hurdle is environmental impact studies. Mm. So he started pursuing this project. I've been aware of it, and and you know I haven't been helping him with it. Uh, per se, but I've been really excited about it for several years. So a couple of months ago, he had the opportunity, and and we he's gone through all these regulatory hurdles. He's he's gotten his his uh, federal energy regulatory committee um, early. They, they it's called a, a, a you know contingency permit. So now he has the ability, the right to go out and do these environmental studies, and if they pass him. Then he can get the construction permit and actually build this fucking thing. Okay. Mind you, it costs a billion dollars. Right. Um, That's all? Yeah. Just a billion. A billion before debt service. So there was a recently there was a big conference of renewable energy financiers. So like every major bank, every big investment bank was all there and they all have their heads of renewable energy. And ninety eight percent of the people there were solar and wind. And there were two hydro guys. One guy was like a small hydro guy. Who you, you, it was like a truck, you, truck-sized thing. You put it in the water in any beach, and you could power like, you know, like a job site. But ours was like, yeah, we got a billion-dollar project here. Well, my dad, did again. You go, did you go to this convention? So, so my dad was supposed to go, and at the last minute, he's like, I can't do it. I got too much work in Alaska. Would you go and be my representative? Okay. So Where was it? It was in New York. Okay. And... Um, and like I said, I knew I already knew all about it, and they, and and I just did some studying, and I went up there, and I met with all these guys, and and the response was incredible. Like everybody's like, "We've been waiting for you guys to come along. We want to give you this money. Let's get this going." You know, so you get guys who are going to give you a well, billion dollars. Well, we we haven't we haven't personally. we haven't sold it yet, but it's looking good, and you know, I, we 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 mean we we're hoping that. Um, the next phase, we got to get through the, the phase before the construction. The construction financing, honestly, is going to be easy. Getting the financing, they call it the trough. There's the trough between concept and construction. And we're in the part where we have to get through all the regulatory hurdles. And so we have to raise a small amount of money to get through that. How much but, is that? What do you need? Five million bucks. Five million. Eric? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think there's something a lot to be said. I think there's a lot of people with great ideas out there that are scared to ask people for money, and they might want a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. Um, how do you go about asking someone for a billion dollars? Well, you got to gauge your audience. Number one, do you tell them they're pretty first? Or just... <laughs> well, you know the the people I were talking to were were no nobody them? nobody fucking blinked at that number. They're used to these numbers. They really are. That's because just they, what it costs to build stuff like this. Yeah, they see, they know the potential, and these these are banks, mind you. So they're not big risk take risk takers. They what they see is like that's a loan that they'll make X percentage of interest per year for thirty years. They can sell as bonds, and if you have a construction permit, the l- risk to them is low enough that they're they're like, okay, sure, eight percent, let's go. Okay, if this works, you be, and you're the director of this thing, and that you this is your business for real. It's you, my dad's business. Yeah, but I mean, you've got this far. You're representing it. He's old and infirm, um, and uh, I'm the number one son, so I would assume the company would come to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're going to be you're representing it already. You've already been there and started negotiating no, for a I, billion No, you know dollars. what? I, you're going to be a part of I joke around First about it. First of all, you'll have to move back but, to Alaska. But That's I really, I really honestly, I'm passionate about this. I really believe in this. I think this is where... This is where uh, this is where that technology should go. Like renewable energy, wind and solar is great, but it, it on average captures maybe 20 or 30% of the sun's energy. This is, and, and also it's, 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 it's uh, you got to watch out for weather and you got to watch, you know, like, and at night, you know, solar doesn't work at night. This, you could, you could power the entire world's energy supply if you did this all over the world. Really, like this is this is the this new could standard oil. The wor- this you, could, this you, is could, a, you, I hate this word, but it's world. a game changer. It really is. So, and I and I think like if you can, whoever brings this to market first in the United States is going to be the industry leader in this, and I hope it's us. So I really, really hope I, I'm really working hard on making that happen. So well, you have competitors. 
There are competitors, but like I said, the competitors are, they're, first of all, they're few and far between. Most of them are not in America. Mo- right. like, the re- like England, the UK has two sites in Scotland and Ireland. Um, the Canada has a site on their West Coast, but no American companies is going whole hog into this. So if you got the money today, how long would it take to, to, build, to live that the out? Studies, the studies are approximately two years. The engineering would be about a year. And the construction would be about five years. Would you do a test market area or would you broad? No, we would just do, we, we, we're, we would do it at that site. We've talked to the local utilities in Alaska. Like Anchorage, like I said, is the hub of Alaska. If we, we can tie to that, to yep. their grid, and we, we would be able to provide to 70% of the population of the state. Wow. So like it's built in. They want to buy our electricity. Their, their gas prices are going up. They're, they're totally down if we can, to buy whatever electrons we can sell them. You know, I think there's a great lesson to be learned in what Chris said is, is the, through the billion dollars out there and nobody blinked, um, we've raised a, a good bit of money and people always ask me, you know, what's it like to raise money? How did you do it? And, and I always tell them one thing, you know, there's no shortage of money in the world. There's trillions and trillions of dollars and they print trillions every day. There is shortages of opportunity. And if you have a great idea, there's going to be people lining up to give you money out there. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the city that are trying to raise money and, and they, they want to get money from whoever they can. And I always say, look, you need to interview people and you need to see what else they're going to do for you besides just give you money because there's no shortage out there. And make sure not only if you're going to get investors in, angels or, or VCs, they're going to help you in other ways. They're going to open doors. They're going to do things for you because there is no shortage of money. Don't, don't, don't be fooled. There's a lot of money out there to do projects like that, and Chris is a great example of that. Thank you, Eric. Well, I haven't sold it yet. So we can come to you for investments, too? <laughs> sure. I mean, I make a, if I set you up with an investment, you, you'll, you'll send me some bra straps, right? <laughs> wow. We might go even beyond that, with meaning other products. Thank What's you. underneath the bra strap? <laughs> I didn't come out right. For everyone everyone listening at home, Susan's now taking off her shirt to show us what's underneath the brush. <laughs> That's I commitment. Hey, i got to put on well, my producer's Chris's pants are on. We need to get out of here. Well, I, we I do brought, have to get out of I here. I brought Susan here for a reason. I will tell you one thing. You never just you never know who you're sitting around these tables with. I know. I never would have thought at the beginning of this conversation, I would have heard the singer from Supergroup tell me <laughs> he was going to change the world <laughs> by supplying the universe with a different energy source. Would you have guessed that, Susan, when you sat down here today? No, I wouldn't have guessed that, but I love no, that. No, but as, as soon as Chris amazing. took his pants off, I knew he was <laughs> special. Something was going on. Well, that tattoo special. gave it away, right? <laughs> Title energy. <laughs> and I was going to make you play another song, and we're out of t- You want to just do it? No. No, screw it. You want to talk about Susan has something to promote yes. before we leave? I want you, we're not leaving here until yeah, Susan. Susan, thank tell you, us Graham. what it thank is. You, You've got 43 okay, seconds. So 43 seconds. So 42, another two no. incredible people, Penny and Quentin Dastute, have, have um, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and now has become really a, a supporter of finding the cure because there is no cure for Parkinson's. So Does he have an ice bucket? And it that's the first step to finding a cure for so anything. So that's now. for ALS. I know. What yeah, about the Parkinson's so ice bucket thing? <laughs> Instead, we have the Bucktown All-Stars playing for us September 18th at Stone Creek Health Club and Spa on the North Shore. Let me just make this absolutely clear to anyone who's listening to this. This is September 18th, 2014. Yes. That's right. Because people do listen to these shows yeah. for Forever. years. Yeah, 2014. So let's just make this clear. September 18th, 2014. If you happen to be listening to this before then, you can go on kickingparkinsons.com. KickingParkinson's.com Kicking to buy your G? tickets. No. Kicking. Kicking. Kicking Parkinson's. Okay. Did you come up with that? It was a team effort. Okay. Kicking Parkinson's. That's a good, a good, that could be a good band name, actually. Yep. It's good. It's going to be fun. I hope people come. Okay. So what is it? It's a party. It's, it's a, a fundraiser. Party. It's a fundraiser, a party. I mean, certainly people can donate to the cause, too. I mean, I, I okay. interviewed eight different people with it, learned so much about the disease. I knew nothing about it. Right. And after having cancer myself, I came out of it thinking, at least when you have cancer, you know that there's a hope you're going to be okay. With Parkinson's, you're diagnosed knowing there is no cure. And mm. your, symptoms, your symptoms progressively get worse. So it's a great God, that disease must be a terrible to help. thing to find out. You've got a disease of which there's no cure. For which there's no cure. So, Susan, so it's September 18th. What time? Six o'clock. Okay. Six o'clock. What and should we wear? Is it, you know? I think the doors open shorts? at six. The band starts at seven. Wear whatever you want. Just buy a ticket and come. Okay. Bucktown All Stars. Okay. Thanks, Susan. I'm glad you got that in. 
Thank All you. All right. Good job, Graham. Thanks for hanging out. Everybody, thanks for joining me Thank today. You, My guests have been Chris Lee, director of the uh, Turnigan Arm Title Energy Corporation. Maybe you heard it here first. Billion dollars. N- no kidding. And, uh, and Eric, as well, has been here. Eric Frank from uh, Your Nutrition Delivered, where you can actually get your nutrition delivered. Is that called yournutritiondelivered.com? That's, that's correct. And Susan Bopp as well, B-O-P-P. This is the best names of anyone we've ever had on the show. Bopp, Frank, and Lee. I think we should just call the show that. Thanks so much for joining me, everybody. That's been Happy Hour for another week. Our producer (laughs) is Graham DePonte, who's been actually on the show today. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh as our music director, and Joshua Brown as our music coordinator. The theme song that you're currently listening to was written by and is being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. Check them out at PreSonus.com. If you can sit around a table for about an hour and have a couple of beers and still be able to talk, you might like to be a guest on our show. Drop us a line. Our address is on our website. You can also find other happy hour shows to listen to there, as well as some other shows we make. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Paycheck. True to the Game with Chris True, Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada, and Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. You can keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and a whole bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. And all of it, where it's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show and find out what we all look like on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as Facebook. These photos are taken by the fabulous... Douglas Engel, who's looking right at you. If you're listening to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or Swell or some other podcast app that you like, please, if you would, stop everything you're doing right now and take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. You can also rate and review us on our fabulous new Google Plus page. Our show is recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, home of handcrafted food and spirits where they put fine dining into a sandwich. Happy Hour is a product of INO Broadcasting for itsneworlds.com. Andrew Duhon is wandering around the world somewhere. He'll be back, I think, maybe next week or the week after. Till then, thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next time on Happy Hour.